John 10, verses 22 to 42 says this. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And Jesus answered him. And, and the Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? I said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. And he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to look at your word and to be encouraged by the simple truth that you claim to be the Christ. That you claim though being a man, that you are God. Lord, as we reflect on that and as we look at that in this text this morning, may we believe your truth. May we believe what you've said about yourself rather than what others may say about you. And may that Belief in that truth transform our lives daily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so as I was preparing for this uh, sermon this week, I had sort of cut off the passage at 21, verse 21 last week, um, thinking that there's a complete thought and let's explore that uh, and realized as I started out this week that this passage sort of says a very similar thing. <laughs> Jesus is God. <laughs> and, you know, it's true that John continues to sort of say this a, a lot in, in many different ways. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll move forward and just talk, you know, jump up to Lazarus, which is next, next week. And I just had a real calm in my spirit that, you know, uh, proclaiming this truth again isn't really a problem for us. In fact, it may be the most important thing to proclaim to ourselves repeatedly that Jesus is who he said he was, that, that he is God, that he is the Christ. And so these passages actually fit very well together. Um, as we pick up at the beginning of chapter 10, what we see is uh, we actually get the 
place of where they likely were for both passages, which is uh, there in Solomon's colonnade, celebrating the Feast of Dedication. Solomon's colonnade is well known to the believers that may have received this letter from John, you know, years later, right? Um, and to those that were around, they, they knew that the Christians and their original place of gathering was Solomon's colonnade. This is where they came to worship Jesus. This is where they worshiped Jesus as the Christ in the very early days in Jerusalem. And so John points that out, that this is the location at which Jesus is speaking. And uh, he also lists here that the time at which he's speaking is during the Feast of Dedication, uh, better known today as Hanukkah. This is the time when they're celebrating Judas uh, Maccabeus, who uh, overthrew uh, the Syrian Empire before them and, um, and, and reestablished the Jewish kingdom there. He was, he was known as Judas the Hammer, actually, which is awesome. I mean, you think about the phrase, bring the hammer down. I mean, that's, I guess maybe that's the origin. I don't know. Judas the Hammer. So uh, Judas the Hammer um, is who they're celebrating. They're celebrating his, his uh, defeat of those who were controlling Israel before and the reestablishment of Israel's authority there at the temple and the dedication of the temple that had been desecrated uh, in a disgusting manner by those that were before. And so they celebrate the really rededication of the temple to its service of God. The context of that is interesting because the anticipation that we know is there for the Jewish leaders is that they're looking for a leader that will save them from Rome. They're looking for a military and political leader that will restore Israel's prominence and independence there. Someone more like Judas the Hammer than Jesus has been seen to be. So it's in, in this background that, uh, that the Jews come and say, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, then tell us plainly. If you're the guy that's supposed to come and reestablish the Jewish order here and the, the kingdom of Israel here, then why don't you tell us and we'll follow you? Are you the Christ? Are you the one that will rededicate this temple to its proper ownership and service? Are you the one that will become the new... Judas the hammer. Jesus' answer is not probably very satisfying to them. He says yes, but not in a way they'd like to hear it. Jesus answers them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you're not part of my flock. He says, yes, but you are not my people. He says, why do you keep asking me? I, I've told you, but you don't believe. I've shown you, I've shown you the works and you still don't believe. Are you the Christ? Yes, but you aren't following me. He goes on and says what we heard last week. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
And you want to know what the Messiah has brought for you. This is what the Messiah has brought and bought for you. He's bought you eternal life. Life that will never perish. Life that is secure in His hand. It says, I give my sheep, verse 28, I give them eternal life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. See, the work of the shepherd was to provide eternal life for his sheep. To let them know that their father has them in their hand and will never let go of them. That they're safe and secure with him. The work of the shepherd is one that keeps his sheep from perishing. Will they die? Yes, they will. But will their soul perish? No, it will be eternally with the Lord. They will be eternally with the Lord. Jesus goes on, 29, says, My Father who has given these sheep to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch these sheep, them, out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. It's at this statement that the Jews then pick up stones to stone him. And Jesus, in reply to this threat, says, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews say, It is not for good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Sometimes we think that, like, the Bible is speaking vaguely <laughs> about who Jesus is. And granted, I, I would say that, that Jesus speaks in a very roundabout manner a lot of the time, and I think he does that with great purpose. But if you examine the text very plainly, all in his hearing believe what he has said is that he, being a man, claims to be God. And it is for this, not anything that he has done, it is for this claim that he is God, that the Jews are ready to stone him to death. That's what they're ready to do because of this simple claim that though I am a man, I am God. I am one with the Father. Or previously, as he said, before Abraham was, I am. So as I think about this text, and maybe it's repetitive nature, this is what I thought. There's no more important thing to be constantly and repeatedly reminded of than the claim of of Jesus to be God. This claim represents his absolute holiness. God is holy. God is holy and just and set apart. And for Jesus to say, I am God, is to associate himself in a direct manner with that holiness. He says, I am holy as God is holy. It represents his perfect wisdom in every way in which he moved in his ministry of three years on this earth, he moved with perfect wisdom. There are many things that don't look like common sense to us in Jesus' life. 
that there'd only be 120 followers at the end of three years of ministry? It's kind of small if you're God, right? I mean, you'd think that like he'd have some huge gathering after three years. But he had perfect wisdom in every single thing that he did, in the approach that he took to every single person. He knew exactly how to meet them exactly where they were. This claim to be God represents his absolute holiness, his perfect wisdom, and his effective sacrifice. If he is God, and this is what God has come to do in his ministry, he has come to lay down his life for his sheep, it is most certainly an effective sacrifice. There is no claim against him other than a claim that is true. They're persecuting him and prosecuting him based on his claim that he is God. But the fact is, that is a true claim. And so actually there is nothing in him of blame. None of his works condemn him. Only this statement that is thought to condemn him is how he has been given condemnation. There's no more important thing to be reminded of, especially in this day and age, that Jesus has claimed and very much is God. Jesus responds to them uh, with this question, if you're going to stone me, for, for what are you going to stone me? And, and as we've seen, it, they say, it's not for the works that you've done, but for the blasphemy that you are speaking and calling yourself God. And he goes on further to be, uh, Jesus goes on further, that is, to be a little confused at why they would come to this conclusion. He says it this way. So Jesus answered, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, uh, do you say of him, him whom the Father consecrated and sent to the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? I need to give you a little bit of background here. What he's quoting there uh, in, and I've lost it again, verse 34, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods, is from Psalm 82. Psalm 82 is very short, and I'll read it. It's eight verses. It says this. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and, and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. He's speaking here to the whole of Israel. The whole of his cho uh, chosen people, he's calling them. He says, you are God's sons of the Most High, all of you. 
The word of God has come to you and, and you are called to enact justice in the name of God on this earth. The way we're supposed to understand this word gods here is that they've been given a spiritual authority from God himself. Not that they are God, but God has given them a spiritual authority in the earth to enact his justice. And so Jesus is confused here about, about why uh, they would be concerned with his claim as the Messiah to be the Son of God. He says, are, are we not in our works called to bring justice? Yes. Are we not in our works to uh, be calling the weak and the needy and delivering them from the hand of the wicked? Is not, are not these the works that we ought to be doing as the people? And so if this is the calling to Israel and you are expecting a Messiah to come, wouldn't he be doing the works that I have been doing? Wouldn't he be doing exactly what I'm doing? And this very psalm points forward to Jesus himself. It says, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the heir of all the nations. So Jesus is confused here about, not really confused, but he is showing them, I guess, how they are confused. If I'm not doing the works of the Father, then you don't believe me. I'm oh, sorry, uh, 34. He said, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture can't be broken, do you say of him who the father consecrated and sent to the world that you were blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God? He says, listen, your authority on earth as the people of God has been transformed by the reception of his word. I've shown you who you are to be and how you ought to act in my word. And it has changed you and given you a spiritual authority. How much more so then if God sends distinctly the Messiah and consecrates him for this service? Are you surprised that I say, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. And he calls them to, to examine his works. If I am not doing the works of my father, then don't believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. And again, they sought to arrest him. They would not listen to what he's saying. He says, don't just look at what I say. You must also examine what I have done. And know that it testifies about me. This is particularly telling as it sets up the subsequent story, which is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. <laughs> what more work do you want me to demonstrate to you, O oh people? 
than calling a dead man who has been dead for more than three days out of a tomb. He says, if you haven't believed the works beforehand, then you will not even believe when I raise this man from the dead. We're reminded of that from, uh, from Luke as well. Luke also claims the exact same thing. If you, if you have not believed what the Lord has spoken to you in his word already, then you won't even believe when a man is raised from the dead. So our response is really simple. It's uh, similar to what happened when Jesus went away. He says, verse 40, He went away again across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Our call this morning is to believe on Jesus. He is who he's said he was. He is the shepherd who cares for his sheep and will not let them go. He is the shepherd who's laid down his life when they were in danger, which they could not save themselves from. Believe on Jesus. Take refuge in him from attack and be restored by him to your God-given purpose. Believe on Jesus. He has given you eternal life. An eternal life that starts now. It doesn't start sometime in the future. The life he's given you, as we saw last passage, is a life that is abundant and full. That though difficulty will come, you will not be snatched out of his hand. A life that goes across any circumstance that you walk through. Take refuge in this shepherd from every attack. Believe on Jesus and be restored by him to your God-given purpose. You saw again last week, the, the shepherd opens the gate for his sheep to roam freely into the land that is good for them. To go about and flourish. Be restored by Jesus to your God-given purpose. God has given you a distinct purpose in the people that he's placed around you, in the place where he has you living, in the time that you will live, in the place in which you live. May we be marked by the simple truth that we proclaim over and over again, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is God. And we serve a God that will lay down his life for us. How beautiful that is.
Let's pray. God, we thank you for the passionate work that you have as the shepherd. That isn't just a job, but that you lay down your life for the sheep. God, I pray that we would have the continued strength against all criticism to cling to you, to proclaim you, to believe you, to follow you, to know your voice and to do your works. Lord, we pray that in in doing so, others too would be compelled to your great name. We'll be transformed by the truth that you have shown us. We'll be freed from slavery to this world and its trappings. We'll be restored to the purpose that you have provided for each and every one of us. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the way that he came in absolute holiness, perfect wisdom, and with an effective sacrifice. It's in his name we pray. Amen.